Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of the Pipe Bomber Wrestling Podcast, a show that is for the fans, by the fans. I am your phenomenal host, Mr. Podcasting, Chris Belcher. You can follow me at Chris Belcher 24 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The show is at PBW Podcast on those platforms. So make sure you give us a follow, interact with us on social media. That is the best way for us to know if what we're talking about is what you want to hear about. So interact with us. We would greatly appreciate that. If you are checking us out for the first time ever, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hit that subscribe button wherever you have found our show. That way you get a notification every time we drop a new one every Monday and Thursday. Once again, my name is Chris Belcher. And as I told you guys several times, Andy is on vacation this week. And this past episode, I was not able due to scheduling conflicts to get a guest. So you got to hear me ramble for 45 minutes. But today, ladies and gentlemen, you do not have to suffer that fate. Because I do have a very special guest. He is, I mean, I guess one of his new nicknames could be the very special guest ladies and gentlemen mr old school has returned to the show he is the whole podcasting show my brother from another mother jared justice is in the house man what's the haps how's it going brother been well, too long <laughs> it has been it has been a hot minute uh, i know we had you on for an episode during wrestlemania week where we talked about our memories of going to wrestlemania and then i hit you up this week and said hey andy's on vacation i need you to come do a podcast episode and you said okay what about we do a podcast episode about backlash and i said okay that's perfect timing wrestlemania backlash is coming up next week uh, a little under a week from when you're listening to this episode. So we're going to talk about the history of backlash. We're going to talk about some good and some bad and some stuff in between, but Jared, man, backlash has been a staple of WWE since 1999. It is the traditional pay-per-view after WrestleMania, a perfect name for it. And I don't know about you, but going back and doing research on the actual event, Man, a lot of these backlash pay-per-views really are really, really good. And they stand alone as good pay-per-views, not just as a follow-up to WrestleMania. This is good stuff, man. I really enjoyed going to doing research about this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be a, a good show to attend. You know, we talk about what well, me and you've talked about. Um, shows that we'd like to go to. We've been to SummerSlam, we've been to Mania, we've been to Raw, um, AEW. Um, but this would be like, I think, one of your prime shows to go to, especially now because they're calling the thing WrestleMania Backlash. And uh, whenever they first started this concept, I kind of, I remember wondering to myself, Backlash, why, why, where'd that, where'd that come from? But now that they've done it, you know, consecutively after right. WrestleMania, it makes perfect sense. You get a lot of your uh, matches from WrestleMania, you get rematches which sometimes have been better than the match you got at Mania. Um, right. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's a phenomenal show. Uh, they, they usually are. So I was going to ask you that later on in the show, but since you brought it up, you're okay with the branding, like sticking WrestleMania on there, or would you rather it just be standalone? Man, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with everything going on in the world today, uh, you know, it's just like girls that, that I talk to and stuff. So much used to matter to me, people's political stance and, and their beliefs on this or that. And man, it's just like, enjoy life, have fun. You know, who cares? Who cares what they call it? 
Um, if, if it's a good show, man, I'm down with it. I mean, I don't care if they called every pay-per-view WrestleMania Survivor Series, WrestleMania <laughs> SummerSlam. If it's good, if it's a good show, who cares? You know? Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know there was a lot of heat on them when they first started doing that, but I'm okay with it. I think it makes sense. Cause like you said, you're getting a lot of follow-up from WrestleMania on this show. So it makes sense to, to tie the two together. Um, as I mentioned, the first backlash man was in 1999. It was the first time that WWE dropped the in your house moniker was the first backlash in, I think April of 99. And you mentioned WrestleMania rematches. I go all the way back to the 99 one, man. We saw the rematch of The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. A no-holds-barred match at the first backlash. Shame it, man, being the special referee and trying to screw Austin as, as the McMahons do. Um, but a lot of a lot of great stuff on that very first backlash. You had Triple H and X-Pac right after Triple H turned on DX. They went one-on-one in a great match. Uh, you had... That was the night that The Undertaker captured or kidnapped Stephanie McMahon in the limo. And it's the infamous, the window rolls down and he says, where to, Stephanie? And they drive off. That happened at Backlash. And then as I watched the 99 one, you had this great hardcore match. I miss Attitude Era hardcore matches. But man, that 99 Backlash, man, that's a loaded card. And they really set the table for what was to come for Backlashes in the future, I think. Yeah, um, I'm sitting here trying to think, and I was thinking about WrestleMania 20. Um, yep. Whenever that you had, uh, was that not whenever that you had, uh, what was the pay-per-view whenever you had Sean versus uh, Triple H versus Benoit? That was Backlash. Yeah, that was, so that was the rematch from WrestleMania 20. Yep, that was okay. Yes, and I was sitting here thinking, I was like, man, I'm pretty sure that the match we got at Backlash was almost as good, maybe yep. even better in some ways, yep. than the one that we got at Mania, which is, and, and I know some people don't want to watch Chris Benoit matches, that, that's fine, you know, to yep. everybody their own. But man, that, that's a match that I'd go back and watch, uh, is that WrestleMania 20 match. And yep. I forget about the Backlash rematch yep. um so uh and, and that's just one example of great matches rematches that you've got from wrestlemania at backlash well and in that match too it made so much sense because they were in benoit's hometown of edmonton alberta and he beat Shawn michaels with a sharpshooter sean tapped out to the sharpshooter in canada very poetic way that they were able to end that match. I know you mentioned that a lot of people might not be able to watch Benoit matches for one reason or another. I went back and I watched the rematch that you're talking about, a Backlash 04. And it was the first time I had a problem with the Benoit match. And the reason is had nothing to do with Benoit. It was because they showed his family at ringside. Oh, and man. then I just went, oh, that hurt. Like I was totally good with watching Benoit stuff. And then they did that. And I just went, oh, well, man. you know, <laughs> the story I've told on here that we've talked about and, and people probably get sick of, of hearing it, but I'm still going to say it. Um, I met Kevin Sullivan so many times at Daytona. I'm getting ready to go back to Daytona again. So every time I go there, I always think, you know, back to my childhood, whenever I met Kevin Sullivan yep. and I, I distinctly remember, um, woman, um, uh, Chris Benoit's, Nancy Benoit, Chris Benoit's uh, wife, being down there by the pool with Kevin Sullivan the first time that I ever saw him. And I was like, hey, dad, hey, dad, I think that's a wrestler over there. 
And Dad's like, <laughs> who? And I said, that's Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster. And then I go over there to talk to him. And then I see woman laying next to him, Nancy Benoit. And um, every time that I think back on that now, it just, I don't know. It's, you know, after knowing how, what, what the entire story was, it just even right. puts a damper on that. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand, uh, you know, if people can't watch those matches. Right. Uh, I'm glad you told me before that I went back and watched that and saw that because I would have been <laughs> like, oh, my God. But um, because not only yeah. is she there, but the kids are there. And I'm like, oh, yeah. man, oh, that, yeah. that was rough. But then you watch the match. And like you said, the match is just as good as the WrestleMania match. And Sean taps out to the sharpshooter. So it's pretty poetic. Um. What's a what's a what's a backlash match really? I know I talked about ninety nine. You mentioned the 04 rematch. I think there's another 04 match that we need to talk about from because not only was that triple threat main event fantastic, but there was another match that we need to talk about. And that's Mick Foley and Randy Orton. The Man. match that really put Randy Orton on the map. I think that's I think that's the match that maybe put backlash on the map. Yes. Um, you you think of backlash, you see um, you see advertisements for this pay per view, and you see the video packages, and almost every time you see, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Orton's got him for the RK got McFoley for the RKO onto the barbed wire baseball bat. Right. And um, that's just the match that most people think of. I mean, I, I know that's the one I think of whenever I think of backlash. And it was so bloody and it was so brutal. And it was just, there was thumbtacks and barbed wire and all this, like you said. And Randy Orton even mentioned this match uh, last week on Monday Night Raw when they were doing the 20th anniversary celebration. He went into depth. The only person he went into depth about thanking for his career was Mick Foley. And he referenced this match. Like, this was the match. Because right after this, Randy's Intercontinental Champion, Right after this, he drops the Intercontinental title only to beat Benoit at SummerSlam to become the youngest World Heavyweight Champion ever. So this is the match, like you said, it put Backlash on the map, put Randy Orton on the map at the same time. And, man, he was off to the races after that. And, and is it not so funny? I mean, I know we're talking about Backlash, but, of course, I'm going to throw some current product in, in here a little bit. Of course we are. But, but you've got Randy Orton with this molester's mustache, <laughs> and he comes out. And he is just having so much fun. It's just yep. like Brock Lesnar with his Viking mohawk. <laughs> I mean, he's out there, he's bouncing around, and that thing's flopping <laughs> every which way. And Randy. We're having some technical. Some technical. You, you, you have uh, yep. Brock that's bouncing around, and his little ponytail thing's flopping. And you've got Randy Orton out there with this huge stoner that they tried to not acknowledge that this man clearly loves pot, okay? I mean, based on his entrance, based on everything that he does, on 420, they came out with the shirt, uh, Team Radio, <laughs> yeah. RK, or whatever, whatever, Team RK Bro. And um, <laughs> and so it has the 420 and clearly is alluding to marijuana. And here's uh -huh. Randy Orton out here just have, having a big time with him. <laughs> and you think of all the dastardly stuff that Orton did. The match with Foley included the barbed wire, the thumbtacks, getting thrown off that stage. Then here comes Foley with the elbow drop onto, like, you know, just wood, planks of wood that have been broke. And God mm -hmm. knows what else. Uh, and all the stuff he's done. And now there he is out there, just like a big kid. 
smiling and having yeah. a good time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you went to current product, but I'm going to kind of, I'm going to deviate for just a second. And we're talking about Randy Orton and his career and the match that put him on the map. You know, I think back to, as we were, everybody was really celebrating Randy Orton's career this week or last week, you know, at time of recording, uh, we're really celebrating Randy Orton's career and all that he's done in the wrestling business. And it made me think back to the promo that Triple H cut the night that he introduced Randy Orton as a member of Evolution. And he called him the diamond in the rough. He called him the next great star in the wrestling business. Man, I'm not saying Triple H is a philosopher. And I said this on, on the Monday show, or Thursday show, rather. I'm not saying he's a philosopher, but could you imagine, like, how true those words were that Triple H said? Like the weight of him saying that Randy Orton was the next great star in the business and, you know, he was a diamond in the business. Man, he blew those expectations out of the water. What a 20-year career that Randy Orton has had, man. He's just, he's he's not really considered some of the, one of the greatest of all time by a lot of people, but you look at his body of work and it's hard to argue, man. The one thing that they could have done to really put him on the map and made him be one of those people that you think of as one of the best ever is if he had been the person to end the legend of the Undertaker streak at WrestleMania. Yep. I think that if they were going to break the Undertaker streak, it should have been Orton, not Brock. I agree. Yep. I completely agree. I really do. I mean, I, I think that would have. I think that would have solidified him as one of the top ten, five, whatever of all time for sure. Yep, I totally agree. Right. All right. Let's. Speaking of Triple H, I want to ask you about something that in in the three years of us doing this podcast, because it's been a minute, man, four years really, of us doing this podcast, something we haven't really talked about. I want to get your thoughts on is the two-man power trip of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H. Because at Backlash 01, the main event was a winner-take-all, all titles on the line. And the World Heavyweight Champion Stone Cold Steve Austin teaming up with the Intercontinental Champion Triple H, taking on Kane and The Undertaker, the WWE Tag Team Champions. Stone Cold and Triple H win this match, and they hold all the gold in the WWE. And I feel... You listen to Bruce Pritchard, and a lot of our listeners might listen to Bruce, and he has said that Triple H and Austin were just so gung-ho about doing this two-man power trip thing. Like, they did, they wouldn't hear anything else. They, they It was their way or the highway as far as that goes. What were your thoughts on the two-man power trip? Because Rock is gone at this time. He's taking a break. He's filming a movie or something. And then you got... Stone Cold and Triple H run the show only for about a month. And then Triple H, of course, gets hurt and he's out for nine months. But what do you think about the two-man power trip? Was it too much? Was it not enough? Like, what are your thoughts on them? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I thought that they had some great matches against each other. I think if you go back, um, I think it was still on VHS. Um, one of the first times, and I'm not promoting this, this is just a historical fact. One of the first times I ever remember hearing, um, the GD word on WWF programming was on one of those old, um, VHS tapes and it was stone cold versus triple H. And after the match was over, it goes backstage 
and uh, Stone Cold uses that word. And I still remember it to this day. Uh, I, like I said, I'm not promoting using God's name in vain or anything like that. But now with everything that you see, I mean, they're saying the SH word and using all this other stuff. And I, I feel like that part, the one thing that I remember about the two-man power trip was that they kind of introduced a little more risque um, language, um, mm -hmm. particularly after that match. Um, I thought their matches against each other were phenomenal. Um, I think that they would have had a really good run as the two-man power trip being together if Triple H hadn't got injured. I mean, looking back, it just sucks because it's like, what could they have done? Right. How good could that have been? And we mm -hmm. never got to see it. And and rumor being that they were on a collision course to face each other at WrestleMania 18, which was, you know, the pay-per-view, the WrestleMania following this. So it would have been the heels, power trip, Triple H turn a baby face, and then a heel Austin versus a baby face Triple H the following year at WrestleMania. So they definitely could have, um, definitely would have been interesting, but like you said, sometimes injuries happen. Speaking of that O2 WrestleMania, we follow that up with Backlash in O2, and that's the night that we see Scott Hall's final WWE match. He goes a real short match against Bradshaw right after the APA split up. That's Scott Hall's last match in the WWE. And I want to acknowledge that pay-per-view as well because Triple H goes into it as the undisputed champion only for him to drop it to Hollywood Hulk Hogan back in the red and yellow after only a month reign. He goes off from his injury. He comes back and he finally wins the gold at WrestleMania and he gets ripped out from under him by Hogan. Um, and then Hogan drops it to the undertaker a month later. Like they hot shot of the world title. I remember like to this day, I'm like you, I'm shaking my head. I'm so, I still get aggravated that Hogan won the title. I know why they did it, man, but it still annoys me that Hogan won the title that night from triple H. Well, I mean, quite possibly the only other man in this world that has a bigger ego than triple H if you disqualify Vince McMahon, is Hulk Hogan. Right. So that, that doesn't work for me, brother. I'm going to go out there and drop the big leg. You know, <laughs> and they talk about all the people that Triple H buried, but look at how many people he made. Just like we were talking about with Randy Orton. Yes. And um, he didn't make Shawn Michaels, but boy, he sure helped um, whenever Shawn Michaels made his return. That's that right. second run that Shawn had. Um, but you look back and uh, Hulk Hogan beat Triple is that not ridiculous? <laughs> it is. It's so ridiculous. It's one of the most ridiculous things that I've ever seen. It's still like I went back and I watched that match in, in preparing for the show, and it made me mad all over again. I don't know why I did it. <laughs> I knew I was going to get mad. I don't know why I did it, but I did anyway. It's ridiculous. Now, do you remember Starcade 97? <laughs> Shut up. We are not getting into that today. No, sir. There was a match that included Hulk Hogan. We're not getting into that else today. Who was not tanned? He was not tanned for that match. He saying. shouldn't have been tanned. There was no need for him to be tanned. He was wearing a trench coat for sixteen months. Oh, gee. Okay, moving along. Um, we talk about good things that happen at Backlash. Now let's transition to one of the more questionable things that happened at backlash it happened in <laughs> 2000 happened in 2006 
And Vince and Shane McMahon had a tag team match <laughs> against Shawn Michaels <laughs> and God. And God. <laughs> and God even had a ring introduction. <laughs> God had more than a ring introduction. Vince McMahon tried to get the referee to pat God down to make sure he wasn't carrying any foreign objects. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> And, and again, what? like I said, if you disqualify Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan <laughs> and Triple H have two of the biggest things. But if you include Vince McMahon, he's the clear winner. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, man. Like, I watched that earlier today, actually, because I was like, okay. I was actually supposed to be at this event. It was Backlash 06. It was in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I'll tell you that story off air as to why I didn't go to that show. I'm not going to tell it on air because I don't want to bury the responsible party but anyway um so i went back and i watched this and i was like it is it really that uncomfortable like i don't know everybody talks about how that they use like god as in the entertainment perspective knowing that like it's so ridiculous and so far-fetched that it's it's storytelling it's no different than somebody using it in a movie or whatever and I'm not, we're not getting all religious on this podcast or whatever, but man, like I went back and watched it today. Some of that was kind of uncomfortable. I'm, I'm just going to say like, it was a, to me, it was a little bit, uh, I don't know. It's a little uncomfortable. One, one way that you can look, um, if you are the type of person that believes in religion or reads it just because that you want to learn more about it <clears throat> right one way that if you look back in the bible at the unforgivable sin it's called blasphemy yep. now according to a lot of people's interpretation blasphemy can no longer be done after jesus was dead um if that's how you look at it you know saying that something that the devil did or like something that jesus did was actually of the devil's doing you know something right. good um but a lot of people's interpretation of blasphemy is exactly what you saw on WWF programming here. Yep. I mean, they shone a light, and supposedly God is coming down to ring in this light. You know, there's nothing there, of course. And there he comes into the ring, and Vince wants God padded down. Well, clearly God is not there in a physical form. Right. But it's they're kind of making fun of him. You know, so I mean, I especially see, I would be uncomfortable with that. Especially the fact that in his entrance, and I wouldn't remember this had I not gone back and watched it today. In his entrance, Vince stops God and stops the music, and he says, "Wait a minute." He says, "What is this entrance that you're doing?" He said, "This is this is boring." He said, "We need to WWE this entrance." And they start playing this hip hop choir type music. And he says, come on, God, bust the move. Dance, God, come on. Yeah. And Vince is dancing in the ring. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's a little much. Yeah, It's a little much. It, it is a little much. It's a little much for me. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've watched that more than the initial time I saw it. Ever. I think today so, was the first time. That and I don't know I, that I that, will. Right. I think today was the first time that I ever went back and actually watched it after it actually happened. I'm like, oh, I, mm, I, I, I could stand to not ever watch that again. Anyway, let's move on to something a little 
a lot more exciting and a lot more politically correct. And that's another match with Shawn Michaels. It was the following year at Backlash. And man, this, I'm going to go on record right now. And I'm going to say this is the best Backlash match of all time. And I'll put the 04 main event up against it. And I'll put up Randy Orton and Mick Foley against it. It's the fatal four-way main event from 2007. It is Shawn Michaels. It is Edge. It is Randy Orton and the champion John Cena. Oh my goodness. And especially like the finishing sequence of the match where the spear is hit and the AA is hit and Sean hits a super kick and Cena falls on Orton and he pins him. Like it is the best backlash match of all time. If y'all haven't gone back and watched that recently, you need to. It's phenomenal. What's your have you have you watched that recently? Um I have um I had kind of forgot about it until you just mentioned it and now that I'm thinking back I remember it. Yeah. Uh, but I need to go back and watch that one. Uh, that sounds like an incredible match. Uh, normally four ways are one person too many for me. Right. Um, yep, I, like I agree. One on one best and uh, triple threats are also pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I love your fatal four ways are just n- not good. But if you think back to the fatal four way pay per view and that match that we got, and then apparently this match that you're talking about that I completely forgot about. I mean, mm-hmm. both of those are phenomenal, uh, whereas a lot of those don't really seem to uh, connect as much with me. Right. Um, and then the next year, in 08, we get another – I feel like I'm putting Shawn Michaels over, but it's what I do. We get another legendary <laughs> – We get another legendary Shawn Michaels moment, and that is the beginning of the Chris Jericho-Shawn Michaels feud in 2008. And it starts at backlash because Sean wrestles Batista. And that's the night that he faints the knee injury and Jericho calls him out on it. And that's how Sean wins the match. That also happened at backlash 2008. So a lot of good stuff happened at backlash. It ran all the way from 99 to 2009. And then we took a six, seven year hiatus. And then when the brand split happened in 2016, SmackDown brought Backlash back as its first pay-per-view. And Jared, that night was the night that AJ Styles won his first WWE championship at that Backlash from Dean Ambrose. Man, I I know that everybody's probably thinking, well, Chris is just an AJ Styles, Mark. Jared's probably thinking, well, he's just an AJ Styles, Mark. That's the only reason he brought it up. No, Jared, the reason that I bring it up is that that, Pay-per-view happened in September of 2016. AJ Styles debuted in January of 2016. We talk about the rookie year of anybody in WWE. Man, it doesn't get much better than what AJ Styles did between January and then winning the title in September of 2016. What a run that he had. And then to cap it off at Backlash. I mean... If we could have just somehow shoehorned Sting into a backlash main event that you could next prop up on the pedestal, I mean, this would really just be like the Chris Belcher and Triple Threat three way the best wrestling. It would. Ever. It would be. You are absolutely. Correct. <laughs> You're correct. It would. Um, but um, <laughs> it is funny looking back at, at, at AJ's story that 
Vince doesn't like people who sound too Southern or sound too hip or whatever. And um, you listen to AJ's theme song, and uh, you can't break this redneck. And there he is coming in there with his accent and all. And within the first year, wins the title. Yep. And has an incredibly long reign. Yeah, absolutely it is. It's it has an incredibly long reign for that year. And for a guy that everybody said he would never make it in WWE, or if he got there, he would just get jobbed out or whatever. He's winning the title within a year and holding it from September until January. And then he's main eventing all through 2017. And then guess what? 2017, he wins it again and he holds it for a year until he drops it to Daniel Bryan. Like I'm just saying, like I'm, I'm putting over AJ styles here. Um, <laughs> that pay-per-view also was the first SmackDown pay-per-view. After the, <laughs> you know, you know, um, was the first <clears throat> SmackDown pay-per-view of the brand split. We saw Becky Lynch that night being crowned the SmackDown women's champion and really made the face of that brand. And that was when SmackDown was running extremely hot. They were well outperforming raw during that era, but this is coming off of WrestleMania 32 back in April. So a couple months removed where Becky Lynch was in a triple threat match with Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair. And there's a lot of people out there, wrestling journalists, fans or whatever, that just discount Becky Lynch being in that match for whatever reason. And then, man, we get to backlash and Becky Lynch becomes the face of SmackDown and then transitions a few years down the road into what we know her as today. So not only was AJ Styles set up to make his big run at that backlash pay-per-view, but Becky Lynch was as well, man. Yeah. So you've got Orton. Becky and AJ that could you could you could make the argument were all somewhat made in backlash. You're exactly right. I mean show, that, it show, that makes it a, a heck of a pay-per-view to me. Yeah, I mean it shows you the importance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, when I started this off and I was saying that these could be standalone shows or just great follow-ups to WrestleMania or whatever. I mean, I wasn't BSing when I said that this is a make-or-break pay-per-view for the WWE. Like, when you go back and you look at the context of everything that has happened, not just the three people that we just mentioned, everything that's happened at Backlash, man, incredible, incredible stuff. Now, one that a lot of people don't either don't either put a lot of stock into or just don't remember because they choose to block out wrestling in 2020 is another Randy Orton match. And it came at the 2020 backlash. And it was against Edge. And it was deemed as the greatest wrestling match ever. Now, we all know that when you deem that the greatest wrestling match ever, before the match even happens, there's no way it's going to happen. Or no way it's going to live up to it, rather. But, I went back and I rewatched that match, man. And if you're a fan of the Randy Orton style of match and the storytelling by Edge, and you understand that WWE is trying to um, help enhance the viewer uh, the viewer presentation because there's no fans there, and you get that concept in your head when you watch that match, man, that match really does hold up. It's so good. I hate the Edge tore his triceps in that match, but man, that match is so good. 
And again, we're talking about Randy Orton. Well, you look back at it, and this is one of the few times in wrestling history that they were able to take this ahead of time, and they could take out any mistakes that were made. Yep. So there's no reason why this should not have been the greatest wrestling match of all time. And I yeah. dare say that if you look at all of it, the entertainment aspect, um, what they had to work with, um, no mistakes, basically flawless as far as the presentation, I think it was one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. I mean, and you're putting two of the greatest of all time in the ring. So the mistakes are going to be limited as it is. Um, and unfortunately, they when they reshot something, that's when Edge tore his triceps. But it is what it is. I just, I, all I'm saying is you and I have been guilty of it. And a lot of people are guilty of just kind of dismissing 2020 wrestling and the Thunderdome stuff and the Performance Center stuff or whatever. But if you go back and you just rewatch it, like not as in watching it the for the very first time and then leaving it, you go back and rewatch it. This match for sure holds up. Like it is really, really good. So I highly recommend it if you haven't in a long time. Well, as, as long as as long of a match as it was, um, it was like in the first couple of days after I watched it the first time that I went back and rewatched it again. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's that good. So, yeah, I highly it, recommend it, it too. It's like and and applaud applaud WWE's effort for trying to make it what it needed to be and trying to enhance the viewership. And you know, they told you ahead of time they were going to spice up the crowd and they were going to do some different camera angles or whatever. So you got to applaud WWE's creativity in, in that sense. But one of the things that I can't applaud WWE for is something else they tried in the Thunderdome era at the first record WrestleMania. There's something the, you don't applaud them for? Oh, my God. At the first WrestleMania backlash, um, we had Damian Priest versus The Miz in a zombie lumberjack match. <laughs> I'm glad I did not watch that. Oh, you've never seen this? Don't, don't go back. It. Don't go back and watch it. It is one of the most atrocious things you will ever watch in wrestling history. Could be the worst thing in wrestling history of all time. It is the ultimate turd sandwich. Ultimate. <laughs> of all time. Of all time. <laughs> Way worse than AJ Nakamura. It's WWE. It's WWE. And you're saying it's the worst of all time. I mean, it's bad. It's terrible. It's awful. So bad. <laughs> so all I'm saying is that with every good comes a bad, even at a pay-per-view like Backlash, and they served up the turd sandwich that was The Miz versus Damian Priest in a zombie lumberjack match. Of course, you would think, though, that anything that The Miz is in would be a turd sandwich, right? I mean... He serves his role, man. He's not the best ever. Maybe he's like the best enhancement wrestler ever. Best jobber ever. But he's not the best ever. He's not the best ever. You're right. But he's pretty dang good at what he does. 
All right, we've kind of really like gone through some of the history of backlash, and there's so much stuff that we skipped. Uh, a lot of good stuff. I mean, we saw Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels tagging up in 05. I didn't even mention all the last man standing matches that we saw, like between Edge and Benoit, Edge and Cena, Taker and Batista. So in this week leading up to WrestleMania backlash, I highly encourage people, go back and dive into some of these backlashes. Go dive into some of these really good matches and and take these pay-per-views for what they are and just enjoy watching wrestling. But if if you had to go back, I've already said that my favorite backlash match is probably the Fatal 4-Way, the Edge, Cena, Orton, and HBK. If you had to pick one, a favorite backlash match, you think it would probably be Foley and Orton, or, or do you think you'd go somewhere else? As far as just the match, either Foley and Orton or the uh, Triple Threat uh, WrestleMania 20 rematch. Yeah. One of one of those two. I, I, I It's hard to go wrong with any of them, really. Um, but yeah, it just, man, I really like, when you serve this topic up to me, that's one of the good things about Jared, by the way, if you people don't realize, is his ability to serve up great topics. <laughs> and then he depends. Then he depends on me to to see if I can hit it out of the park with a good show or not. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, when he served this topic up to me, I was like, okay, well, that could be cool. What are we really going to talk about? And then I started diving into some of this. And again, I hate to continue to harp on this, Jared, but how good of a pay per view that Backlash is. And what a rich history of great matches and great storylines that are wrapped up into backlash. And I think, man, as you look, and this could be a, a loaded statement or a loaded question or whatever, but as you look back through the history of WWE, I think you could say that about a lot of things when you look at it from that context. You know what I mean? Like if you if you went back and you looked at all of the in-your-house pay-per-views or you went back and you looked at all of the Judgment Day pay-per-views or, or fill in the blank, as standalone, if you looked at these cards, man, there's some really standout matches. And that just goes to show you, man, that WWE, as much as people gripe and complain, and I know you're guilty of it, and I am too, as much as we complain about what they do, there's a reason they've stood the test of time and there's a reason they're still around doing what they do because when you go back and look at it, they're they're doing it well. They're producing a good product. Yeah, and it, it's just like we're seeing right now, um, I, I think with Austin uh, Theory. Um, they are constantly looking for that next big superstar that they can push. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they have to kind of course correct. But, um, I mean, if if they can kind of get a hold of a superstar and then kind of build everything else around them, that's what they've done historically, and it's worked for them. So I think it will continue to work for them. Um, Do I think right now that they have many stars? No, I don't. Um, it just seems like they've let their stars become older and they have not created enough new stars. Mm. And that's what irritates me so much about the WWE current product is like, 
who am I watch who am I watching the show to see? It's not John Cena. It's not Triple H. It's not Stone Cold. It's not Sean. It's not right. Taker. It's not Edge. Really, I mean, he he's here and there. But who is that one person I'm watching the rest of everything else they pile in there to see? And a right. lot of times, I, I think that's what we all fall into is we watch these pay-per-views and we watch it for these one or two people and we kind of sleep on so much of everything else until yep. years later and we're like, man, that was really good. Look at look at who we had back then and look at the matches that they were in and you don't, you don't realize what you have to us got. That's and right. wrestling fans, man, they're guilty of that so bad. Yep, they absolutely are. For sure they are. Um, and it drives me nuts. I'm not going to get on a rant about wrestling fans. Um, but as we wrap up here, man, as you're talking current product, um, WrestleMania backlash is this coming Sunday tuned in this Thursday. Andy and I are going to break all the matches down for you and give you our thoughts and predictions. But Jared, as you look at the card right now for WrestleMania backlash, you've got Bobby Lashley versus Omos, AJ Styles versus edge, Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. Madcap Moss versus uh, versus Happy Corbin, and then a winner take all unification tag team title match. RK Bro versus the Usos. Of those matches that I just laid out to you, what what really stands out to you is something that's going to steal the show that you've got your eye on. Man, Seth versus Cody is probably the one that I would think could possibly steal the show. Yep. But I don't think we've seen um, RK Bro against the Usos ever. So, man, that sounds like a killer match. I mean, the first time seeing it, I yep. want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking. Man, I really am. Aside from Bobby Lashley and Omos, like, I'm looking forward to the rest of the card. I think it's going to be really, really good. Um, but, again, I will formulate my thoughts and we'll give you something more concrete this coming Thursday on the show. So make sure you tune in wherever you find your podcast on Sportswire Radio and on the Bodyslam.net YouTube channel. Make sure you're following, subscribe, download all of those things. Well, man, let's put a bow on this episode. Is there anything else about WrestleMania, Backlash, anything like that that you want to add before we give the old Larry Sabisco wave and sign off? Man, I'm just, um, you know, I look at where me and you uh, started this whole show. Um, yep. We had Jason with us, uh, Jason Backwoods, um, you know, and I look at where, where we started. And now to be associated with Bodyslam.net, um, a site that I've always known that I go to and trust, um, I'm impressed, man. I mean, I, I know that with scheduling being the way it is and work situations in life, I don't get to be on here a lot. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm proud of you boys. You all were carrying that torch that me and you and Jason started, um, and it, it's killer, man. So I'm well, proud of you. Well, we're going to get you on here. We're, we're going to make something happen. I can promise you that. Uh, scheduling, as, as I said on the Thursday episode, scheduling has been my fault recently. Uh, we're working on that, uh, and I know that all of our listeners like to hear from Jared a lot. I like to hear from Jared a lot. So Jared's going to make regular appearances on this show again. We're going we're gonna to get that figured out. But until the next time that he joins us, thank you for hopping on. You know that I always love and appreciate when you are here. Uh, as we give the old Larry Sabisco wave and we sign off, again, make sure you're checking out our archives for all of our past episodes. Jared's on a bunch of them. We talk old school. We talk new school. There's something for every wrestling fan here on the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>
For Mr. Jared Justice, my name is Chris Belcher. Thank you for hanging out with us today on this edition of the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast. We will catch you guys down the road.